You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hello, thank you for joining me tonight. I usually say today, but... Thanks for having me. Yeah, you look cozy in your house. Which is... Which room is this? Is that door the one that all the diapers were kept in? This is the diaper room and behind me are the diapers in there. Okay, you have to share this story um, at some point when it's relevant and give us an update on diaper totals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you for joining me. Will you do a quick um, introduction, whatever it is you wanna share um, about yourself, about your family to listeners, and then we can get into your birth story. Sure. My name's Brianna and my husband is Jared. We have our little eight-month-old baby Lucas and we live in Sonoma County Um, and we went through our birth journey with Sophia. Yay! (laughs) It was so great. So where did your birth journey start for you? Where do you want to start your story and and tell us a little bit? Um, Well, I guess you know, we got married in 2013 and my original plan was to start trying for kids two years later. And then I kind of just started putting it off more and more and like setting like far goals farther and farther off. Like, oh, if I, once I've been working for this long or once I'm making this much money or we need to do, go to Europe first or all these things. And I kind of like finally ran out of excuses (laughs) in 2020. (laughs) And um, so seven years later, and um, after lots of begging for baby for my husband, finally <laughs> gave in and, you know, it kind of, it, it did seem like, all right, I guess you can't really wait for the right time because there's always going to be something that you want to do. And um, what was your hesitation? Like just that, like knowing you couldn't go back and you wanted to like get things out of the way first. Yeah, I, you know, something I kept saying was I wish I was 10 years younger in the place that I am now, mm-hmm. because I would wait another 10 years, you know, that it's just like, it always just feels like there's so much to do. And maybe things that you want to do before you get pregnant before you have a baby, because life changes, and I can confirm that now. <laughs> but um but we did, we went to Europe and I worked for yeah. a lot of years and I got tenured and we made the amount of money that we said that we would before we had a baby. And, and, um, you know, I think part of it was just like also being a little bit nervous, mm-hmm. um, having had girlfriends really struggle to get pregnant and not knowing if that was going to be that way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started trying in December, 2019 mm-hmm. and I was pregnant in May. So it took us about six months Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to conceive and um, which for a control freak like me is longer than I would have hoped. (laughs) But, um, but at the same time, having had friends go through really long fertility journeys, it, it was felt relatively short. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah, it, um, I think that maybe the six months was a, a good thing because it allowed me kind of surprise Jared with it. Mm -hmm. And it, for us, it took, um, I stopped telling him when I was tracking my ovulation because it just was like so much pressure and became like a task instead of, you know, something that's going to happen naturally. And once I stopped telling him when I was ovulating, we conceived that month. Taking the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then how was early pregnancy for you? Um, so I got my first scan when I was just six weeks mm -hmm. and it was because we were in the pandemic. My doctor was kind of offering unusual things. Um, and so I went in and I went in for this confirmation and they had a new machine. And so they did a is it transvaginal? Is that what they call it? The ultrasound. And it took forever because they couldn't figure this machine out. Meanwhile, I'm laying on the table, oh like with this wand up the hoo-ha oh. thinking like, oh my God, there's probably no baby because they're not saying anything or I'm miscarrying or something. And after like 45 minutes laying on the table, she finally turns the screen and she's like, and that little flicker is the heartbeat. And it was like, I just, that moment for me was like, Ooh, there something changed right because it's not just a positive pregnancy test actually seeing mm -hmm. that heartbeat and so yeah. that's when I told my husband that I was pregnant so I had known for almost three weeks wow wow that yeah. I can't even imagine keeping the secret like that and I think for me like you know I just wanted it to be real I wanted yeah. to know that it was happening before I got his hopes up and knew how badly he wanted it and I wanted it to be confirmed mm -hmm. that's so kind of you I I'm a really horrible secret keeper I can it's like a girlfriend's like you have to promise but it eats me alive I'm like maybe you just shouldn't tell me I can't take pressure <laughs> um yeah. Well, and then, so the day after my scan, I started getting morning sickness and I was like, I wonder how much of this is psychosomatic, but, <laughs> but literally the day after my six week scan, I woke up and was like, am I dying? Because <laughs> I like couldn't eat. I was so tired and just, yeah, just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how early it can kick in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I kept trying to remind myself, it's a good thing, you know, that's your hormones are raging in a great way and you want this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, it, it's nice to have something to cling on to. Yeah. 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 So when did you start feeling better? Um, around the end of the second trimester is oh, when no. relief really came. But I mean, I wasn't feeling as bad, I would say around like 15 or 16 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but I, by that time, I'd kind of figured things out, like, you know, sour things for me, like lemon and popsicles and literally just sucking on a lemon wedge would really help me oh. or smelling peppermint. Um, so I kind of figured out some little home remedies that made it bearable. And it's interesting because uh, for me, each of my pregnancies, something different worked for it. Like for my son, it was smelling, um, 
like minty lotion I had kept in my car and um, that was what helped me. And then with my daughter, it was citrus, um, like smelling grapefruit essential oil or something yeah. like that. I had sent my cousin, um, just had her baby, but I had sent her some popsicles, some lemon and lime popsicles. Cause I was like, these saved my life girl. And she got them. She's like, I cannot eat those. <laughs> like there's no way. Oh, so you're right. It's so different. Every pregnancy is so different. Yeah. Okay. So anything stand out in the second trimester for you? How did that all unfold? You were starting to feel a little better. Yeah. Um, well, we started being open about the pregnancy at about like 19, 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I waited just because of work and didn't want to tell everybody till after I did my 20 week scan to make sure there wasn't anything wrong with the pregnancy. Um, and, and well, second trimester, the really special part for us, for me was being able to feel the baby kicking. Mm -hmm. And that was another stage where it became so much more real. And for me, I dropped some anxiety being able to feel the baby kick and know each day that he was there and alive and, mm-hmm. and it was really happening. Yeah. The daily reassurance. Mm-hmm. And then I think just starting to show. So like starting to wear maternity clothes and feel cute and pregnant and people noticing. And how was that was kind during of a, COVID? Cause I think that was one of the sad pieces where it's like, Oh, I just yeah. yeah. So I guess that was more like on Zoom. People would be like, "Stand up, let me see your belly." I'm like, "All right, I guess." <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it definitely made it different than I ever thought it would be being quarantined and and yeah, home alone a lot. Yeah. So, um, at what point did you start thinking about home birth? And before that point, was Jared able to come to any appointments with you? Um, what were, what was that like having care, um, with an OB? So I think, you know, I always was leaning towards home birth. I was born at home Mm -hmm. and I just kind of always leaned away from Western medicine. Um, but at the same time as having a first baby and, you know, being worried about things going well. And do I need to be in a hospital? Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I don't think I called you until I was, I don't know. I feel like I was halfway through the second trimester. I don't remember how far along you are, but I remember when you called me, because I was at a birth that I ended up being there for five days and I paused to step outside and you were like, oh my God, you can totally call me back. We don't have to talk right now. (laughs) Like I've got time. I just remember asking you, is it too late? And you're like, no, it's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. So I think I was proud. Of it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I did start my care with Kaiser and continued it throughout the pregnancy for ultrasounds and like blood work and things so that they'd be covered by insurance and other testing. But um, really the thing that drove me to want to do a home birth was getting to be more in control of my experience, which later, I guess we can discuss how (laughs) how different that was than I had anticipated. But, um, I just, you know, I knew that I wanted to sleep in my own bed after I had my baby. And I knew that I didn't want any pressure to put, you know, ointment in the baby's eyes or cut the cord too early or give a vaccine minutes after birth. Um, I'm, you know, I don't like to be at the hospital. I don't like going to the doctor. And so the idea of being in your most vulnerable state and 
experiencing the most precious thing you have in your entire life in such a sterile environment was scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really wanted to do a water birth and I knew that that wouldn't be a possibility at a hospital. I knew a birth center could work, but then I was like, well, if I'm going to do a birth center, why not just be in my own home and then literally get into my own bed, which is exactly what I was able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just being more in control of the experience and being more in a comfortable place for me and being sure that I wasn't going to be pushed into medical decisions that I felt were wrong for me and my baby were the driving factors of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so you were, you know, a little over halfway when you reached out. Um, and so how did that next trimester go for you? Um, and what did you notice, if anything, the difference in between like your prenatal appointments, um, with both care providers? Um, well, yeah, so I did continue my Kaiser care, like their, their regularly scheduled checkup kind of things. Um, I think, you know, going into Kaiser, most of the emphasis on the prenatal appointments was like, how much do you weigh? What's your blood pressure? And what is your belly measure? Mm -hmm. And there wasn't much beyond that unless you came with a total list of questions. And I actually really like my OB at Kaiser, Mm -hmm. Um, but it still is just very technical and Kaiser is all about covering their asses for liability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So definitely, you know, the biggest difference in the experience was the time spent together because you'd come and spend two hours per appointment at the house and, you know, we have the fireplace on and you're cozy in your own home and it's just, it's so much more mother focused mm-hmm. instead of healthcare system focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'd say most of the time we spend checking in about how you're feeling so we can make you the most comfortable during the pregnancy. Yeah, well, and I felt like I could ask questions and get like really honest, experienced answers from you instead of like, well, this is what Kaiser tells us we're supposed to tell patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think like most of my appointments felt like there was some sort of scare tactic for something with Kaiser. And it's, I think I would talk to you about this at our appointments too. Sometimes it'd be things just like, I'm like getting anxiety from seeing the doctor. Yeah. You were like, I felt good before I went in. I felt worse right now. And then having our appointments and like running these things by you and saying, well, what would you do if this were your pregnancy? And kind of getting that from you was calming and or hearing stories about other mothers who had heard similar things or just hearing the birth stories in general mm-hmm. kind of calmed my nerves mm-hmm. and um yeah I kind of feel like our appointments helped me to undo the Kaiser appointments that's what I when when families ask me now about um if I recommend collaborative care I'm like, I used to say, oh, whatever you feel comfortable with. And now I'm like, I do not recommend it because sometimes it feel like I have to like undo the damage, you know, like every time. I think that something that kind of saved me from more damage was that I didn't tell Kaiser that I was doing the home birth until my last appointment really, or my second to last appointment. Mm -hmm. And then they strongly discouraged it, but I knew that was going to be the case. And so I just kind of played along, like I was going to do it at Kaiser. Mm -hmm. Um, Early on in the pregnancy, I had said to one of the nurses that I was thinking about doing a home birth. And she said, 
don't do that. That's so dangerous. Like that's your baby could die. And I'm just like, ah, nobody wants a baby. Um, but like someone should have told my mom that because I was born. (laughs) Yeah. And I have two healthy brothers as well. They make it sound like no babies have ever died at a hospital either. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and looking back now, I'm, I always wonder like what interventions would have happened if I had been at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anything else that unfolded in your last trimester that you can think of or want to share before we go into like how your labor started? Um, um, maybe the last couple moments before your labor started. Uh-huh. Um, so I, yeah, I kept going with my appointments, my scans all were fine. Everything looked really healthy with the baby. You know, we did the NITP, NIPT, the non-stress test. No, the, the initial testing at 11 weeks. Oh, oh early pregnancy. Yeah. 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 The only, you know, they only offer that usually to women over 35, but because of COVID they were offering it to all women. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Everything was great. And then we did the 20 week scan. Everything was great. And then she, when, when I went in for an, just a regular checkup, you know, prenatal checkup, she measured my belly and it measured just right on track. And she said, Hmm, you look bigger than that. So I'm going to have you do the growth scan. And I'm like, great. Another chance to see my baby. Mm-hmm. I gladly do that. <laughs> I got the growth scan and he was right around the 50 to 60th percentile for, for his, what, what they were measuring. And she like still didn't buy it kind of thing that he, that everything was fine with the pregnancy. And so she had me start doing the non-stress tests mm-hmm. and those all were coming back. Great. I did them for the whole last month. Um, and the very, so the second to last one I went to, my doctor let me know that she was actually going out of town the next week. And so it was my 40th week of pregnancy and she wasn't going to be there for my last appointment. Mm-hmm. And that's when I told her that I was considering home birth. And she said, I can't encourage that. You know, just if you are going to go that route, please make sure that you have somebody who's experienced and knowledgeable and knows how to deal with things like shoulder dystocia or, you know, any other emergencies. And she asked lots of questions about you. And Mm -hmm. um, I think probably wasn't entirely happy that I had answers for most of them because (laughs) I had asked you most of the questions already. Um, But so she said, I'm going to set you up with this doctor while I'm gone and she'll go over if you're still pregnant, she'll go over everything at that last appointment for delivery. And, um, so I went in for my last non-stress test and last appointment where they were going to check if I was dilated and do the, the 40 week hoopla. Um, oh, and at the last, the previous appointment, my doctor had said we, that will induce if you go all the way to 42 weeks. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, well, we'll see, you know, like mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. So I go to my last non-stress test. Everything's great. The baby looks great. He's head down. Everything looks perfect. And the doctor that she set me up with came in and introduced herself. And within 30 seconds told me that she had already put in a call to the Kaiser Bicentennial campus and was sending me over to get induced. Oh, and I was exactly 40 weeks. Uh-huh. And I was like, and like no conversation, just like, no, it was like, hello, I'm Dr. So-and-so standing in for Dr. So-and-so, you know, um, 
I it's time kind of thing and I was like uh excuse me hi like yeah, nice to meet so you my my usual doctor said that we were fine to go to 42 weeks and that you know, we would talk about induction then. We haven't even discussed any of this. And she kind of went into this, I know you're in shock. It's, I know it's scary to have a baby today, oh you know, God. but it'll be fine kind of thing. And, and I was like, I'm not scared of having a baby today. I don't want to be induced when it's not necessary. And she got really serious and looked at me and said, you are risking fetal demise. And that means you will have a dead baby. Oh my God. And I said, I know what fetal demise means. Thank you. And she kept, I mean, she probably said dead baby 10 times before I said, I'm not going to get induced today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so she said, okay, I'm going to step out and call them back and then I'll come back in to do your exam. And she was obviously frustrated. And while she was gone, the, um, the tech that was doing the non-stress test who had gotten to know pretty well and was wonderful. I looked at her and I said, I cannot let her do an exam on me. Like I just knew I would feel like assaulted, mm -hmm. you know, that I couldn't let that like woman. You were, you were just her threatened and now she's going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not putting your hands on my body. You're not doing anything to check with my baby. Mm -hmm. So, oh, before she had left the room too, I had said to her, okay, let's do the exam, but I don't want you to sweep my membranes. And she said, why? And I said, because I want labor to start naturally. Mm -hmm. And she said, that is natural. <laughs> and so I think, you know, her, her vision. Yeah, there's nothing natural about your hand inside my body. Yeah. Well, and, and she, I think she's thinking, well, it's not Pitocin. You yeah. Know? It's not, we're not like, you know, putting any chemicals in you, but to me, it's like, well, you're, you're doing something that's inducing labor that is inducing labor. Yeah. And, um, so I told the, the tech that I was like, I'm not letting her do the exam. So she went out and told her and she came back in and said, I understand you don't want to have the exam today. I just need to confirm that you understand that you are risking having a dead baby. And, um, if you decide to be induced, you just call this number and you can go over there. And I said, well, if I did go over to be induced, what would they do? And she said, whatever you want. And I was like, wait, no, like what, like, how does that start? And she's like, well, they would, um, what is the balloon procedure? Uh, the Foley catheter. Yeah. She said they would start with that and then possibly give you, you know, some other drugs. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So I went home. I called you on my way home to let you know how it went. I remember where I was when you called me. I was at a friend's house and I was like, I have to take this phone call. I was furious. I was so mad for you. I mean, I didn't know if I like, you know, if I was mad or sad, I was just like so nervous because even though like I knew 40 weeks wasn't a threat. Like there was no threat to the baby being right at 40 weeks. It's still like hearing from a medical professional that you are risking having a dead baby is going to send any fully pregnant mother into some anxiety, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially first time mom too. You know, I think it was really, it took a lot of courage to say what you said and to stand up for yourself and your baby and to walk out like that. Not, not everybody could have done that. Yeah. 
Um, it's, you know, I think just being really sure of how I wanted to do things helped, but it definitely made me question, like, is my intuition wrong here? Am I not doing the right thing? Am I risking my baby's life? Am I going to have to call people in the next couple of days and tell them no baby anymore? You know, all those it's things. It's so ironic that you were literally there for a non-stress test. That is that the reason of that is for them to be able to say that your baby is and then they're like oh yeah your baby looks safe but but is probably gonna die probably gonna die if you leave yeah uh, and I mean it really like I was like playing out in my head how would I tell people it, that I had a stillborn baby you know and that's what they're banking on is that like you're not willing to take that risk so so here we go yeah, yeah. um yeah so you talked me off the ledge <sighs> And I remember you saying, I felt so good going in there. I, I felt like so ready for labor. Like it was the, one of the first points in your pregnancy where you're like, I really, really feel ready. I feel like, yeah. Um, and I think I had had an appointment with Brooke mm -hmm. and it was really amazing. She did some um, hypnosis and yeah, for anyone listening, um, her at the time we're recording this, her interview comes out tomorrow. So um, mm -hmm. I will link her interview in the show notes for anyone who- Oh, wants I can't to, wait to listen to that. Yeah, cool. for anyone who wants to listen, I'll link cool. it. Brooke She's is incredible. Amazing. She's, I mean, it one appointment with her and I was like, I think I don't need to be anxious anymore. <laughs> you know, it was just, oh, so and good. I've seen her every week since. So it's, um, she's really incredible. Um, yeah. So I was feeling good and then went from a high to a real low and then kind of went back to 50%. Mm -hmm. Um, but even after I talked to you, I was like, I got to get this baby out so that I don't get any more Kaiser pressure. And I'm not feeling anxious about having fetal mm -hmm. demise. Yeah. And, and for anyone listening to, I mean, I feel like you should keep surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good, you know, and like avoid the people who just keep bringing you down every single time. Cause I feel like that is your intuition being like, this is not right for me. This is right for me. And unfortunately a lot of people get, can get caught up in the anxiety and the fears, and then they just stick with the fearful provider. Um, and then they end up with this birth they barely made it out of them and their baby and then they can fall into the thank god I was there because it was a shit show when yeah. really you know it and it was where they were or who they were with yeah wow. I yeah. mean it and also like my OB being out of town and this other woman standing in for her like it was toxic care for me mm -hmm. you know it was really bad for me and I, who knows who, what the doctor or nurses would have been like that were in labor and delivery. And maybe they would have been wonderful, but you know, that, I mean, that was another reason for choosing home birth was like, I want to know the person who's going to be on this journey with me and through what ended up being 24 hours of labor, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so go into that. Like, um, you are feeling 50% now, um, you're, you're not running to the hospital to get induced, but what do you do? So I kind of felt like I need to get this baby out so that I can stop worrying. And so that Kaiser doesn't call CPS on me or something. And, um, so I just 
figured I would try all the crazy home remedy stuff, barring anything that you like drink or eat because who wants to have a stomach ache when they're going into labor. <laughs> but so we went for a really long walk and I did some curb walking and I was like, there's no way this is going to work. Like, this is crazy. And I came home and, um, not based on any of Sophia's advice. <laughs> I used my breast electric breast pump um, for 15 minutes on each side twice. And within an hour, I was having contractions and started passing my mucus plug. You and must have just been like on the verge of labor anyways, because there's some women who do all the things and like nothing happened well and I wondered like did any of the stress from earlier in the day kickstart it I mean maybe they they whoever they are you know (laughs) the team of they um they say that stress can actually make it less likely for you to go into labor because it sends like the hormones it releases tells your body it's not safe to have a baby you know but maybe it was the extreme difference of the high stress and then the oxytocin flow from the breast pump and it was like okay now we're good here we go (laughs) yeah it I mean it was definitely I didn't expect it to work that quickly because I thought you know people do these things to get labor going and they go into labor three days later you know or a week and a half later you're like what did I do (laughs) originally I thought I was gonna go two weeks over because you know first time mom yeah you hear about everybody going over and (laughs) yeah but um yeah then contraction started but they were it was like I had one I was like maybe that was maybe it wasn't Mm -hmm. and then um I just I was kind of just like too jacked up to go to bed Mm -hmm. it was like 11 o'clock and so I just started doing chores and I was folding laundry and you know just trying to distract myself and they started getting stronger and all of a sudden I went from like, was that a contraction to having six minute apart contractions? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were painful <laughs> from the get go. You're like, these are real. Yeah. I mean, it was like, not, I don't know. It, I could not have anticipated it. And I am such an over researcher mm-hmm. and watched a million videos, listened to a bunch of podcasts, mm-hmm. read like anything that I could get my hands on about birth and preparing for birth and contractions and had fully convinced myself that like, I have a high pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. Did, did you um, do any like official class or course for preparation or you? I, I forget. They did one of the classes that you sent me. Um, God, I can't remember which one it was. Sure, it's in my notes. I'll look it up and evidence-based birth. Oh was yeah. It? Was it online? Well, I guess everything was online. Yeah. Then. yeah. <laughs> And I did the Kaiser class and the Kaiser class, I pretty much just ended up being that annoying student asking questions that the instructor did not want to answer. (laughs) Um, Um, I'm pulling it up to see if I wrote it down. Oh, I just wrote that I sent my list of recommendations. I didn't update it. Yeah. So I did one of those and it, um, but then I also listened to a lot of the podcasts that you sent me about like not pushing and just kind of breathing your baby out. And I was fully invested in that plan, like <laughs> meditative birth, not pushing, breathing your baby out, being super calm and quiet and Zen the whole time. Was that all the videos I sent you were all Zen births? 
No, no. I was going to say, I'm going to have to update that list. No, but the podcast that like hit home for me and felt like that's my plan. You were like, that's the one I'm doing. That's the one I'm, that's my birth is going to be that Zen, breathe the baby out. It just like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, look, the head's out. Um, yeah, that was bullshit. <laughs> that, that must have been a third time birth. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, the contractions six minute apart, I didn't understand why my back was hurting so badly. Mm-hmm. It just felt like, it felt like bone crunching pain. Mm-hmm. And I just, I would pace as soon as one would start, I was using a contraction timer and I'd press the button and then I'd just pace across the room till it stopped. And I pretty quickly was able to like notice a pattern and they were like a minute and a half long. Mm-hmm. And so I knew when the peak was coming and I'm like, oh, just 10 more seconds, just 10 more seconds. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my husband is snoring away in the bedroom, sleeping, has <laughs> no idea that I'm in labor. Because <laughs> um, you and- wait, you wait three weeks until you let him know anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the baby came and I let him know a few weeks later. (laughs) Um, I, my idea of it was like, this is going to take a long time. So let him sleep. Mm -hmm. And also I just, I tend to be a person who processes pain better when I'm alone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to get my bearings by myself right now and go into this and then let him know what's going on. So I, had contractions all night long and I think I texted you at like seven in the morning mm-hmm. and like they were really close together by then I had taken a bath uh lots of like on all fours hip rocking in the bath um just trying to find any sort of relief and th- you know and not having gone through contractions before I didn't know is this exactly what they're supposed to feel like mm-hmm. and if it is, then what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't in my books. <laughs> yeah, but I remember I texted you and was just kind of like, I think I'm having contractions. And and you were like, well, how far apart are they? And I screenshotted my tracking. You're like, oh, <laughs> I think you're having a baby today. <laughs> um, and so I, I woke Jared up at like nine. He's, it was a weekend, so he was sleeping in. And I, um, you're like, I hope you're refreshed because I'm going to need you. (laughs) I just said, I'm having contractions. And he was like, what, really? And I was like, yes. And they hurt. (laughs) And it was like, literally right when I said that they like started to get like so bad. And I was, it was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And was convinced I was going to have a baby within the next couple hours, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I eventually showed up, I I believe it was that morning. I'm trying to pull up my notes. Um, I think it was just a few hours after you had let me know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how did it all unfold from your memory? Um, so texting you and kind of texting updates with the contractions and you called and said, do you think it's time for me to come over? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And you were just like, okay, I'm going to come over. Um, I, I think you got there maybe around 11 ish. Yeah. I think, yeah, like 1130. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And by that time I was like, I remember I was like hunched over leaning on the bathroom vanity, rocking through contractions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you offered the tens unit after like we checked in and everything. And you were like, sometimes this can offer some relief. Like, do you want to try this? And I was like, yes, let's do it. And you put it on and the contraction hit. And I was like, get it off of me, take it off. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, I hadn't really like connected yet that I was in back labor and experience. I just had never considered that as an option really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you didn't like being touched. No. Okay. So when you got there, I think it was around 11 and I was hunched over the vanity, kind of just rocking my way through the contractions. Um, and you offered your tens unit right away. And I kind of felt like I would do anything for some relief at that point. So I said, yeah, put it on. And you did. And the next contraction hit. And when you turned it on, I was just like, no, get this thing off of me now. Um, yeah. Yeah. You were really sensitive to touch to just like any hip squeeze, anything. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like, I didn't, (laughs) it was like at a point where I'm like, I'm not even sure I want to be looked at you know, that's making it hurt worse, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, there's something to say about undisturbed birth, you know, and not being watched. Yeah. And I was about 12 hours in at that point Mm -hmm. and had been having contractions. Like, I think it was like every like minute and a half to two. And you didn't sleep at all, right? You were up all night. I was up all night. Yeah. Do you regret the chores you did? Do you wish you had gone to sleep or do you think like you- I mean, if I could have, I would have. Because I tried like laying down, sitting down to see if it gave me any relief. Mm -hmm. Um, But I couldn't. And like I said, I didn't realize I was in back labor yet. And so I just thought that's how it was supposed to feel kind of thing. But I couldn't even sit down. It just immediately was like knives in my back if I tried to sit during a contraction. Mm. And like, even when I was in the bath, I would get up on all fours for every contraction just to take the pressure off. And it, I don't, yeah, I don't think I could have slept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just the adrenaline too of knowing it had started. Yes, yes, the excitement. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I wish, I do wish in hindsight that I had gotten some rest and eaten something because mm-hmm. I had no idea that it was going to be 24 hours later before I was not in labor. Yeah. And I didn't even know that you were doing anything to encourage until you messaged me the next morning, like, Hey, I'm in labor. I was like, wait, what? How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how else did it unfold? I mean, I have a very vivid memory of you because your bathroom had like a separate little corner where the toilet was. And my memory is you pretty much lived there. Yeah. So I think that, um, I had said something about like, I've been standing for 12 hours because I literally had been on my feet except for the bath for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. And you had suggested possibly sitting on the toilet, um, for some, pain relief and just for as a comfortable place and I did I kind of went in there and lived in there for a while and would stand up on contractions Mm -hmm. um 
and sit down when I wasn't having one, but that was seemed like like three seconds long. <laughs> um, I just remember leaning on the windowsill. Uh, at one point you brought out your like wrap. Thing. Like the rebozo. Yeah. Just like to try to kind of hold my belly up a little bit. And that was another like, nope, get it off of me. Don't touch me. Mm-hmm. And you um, had a giant fan blowing on you. Um, I re- but I remember like even sometimes the fan was too much. So it was like, I don't remember if it was like on in between and then as soon as the contraction was coming you were like you, we had to turn it off so it was like on, it, off, on, off. I remember it being like feeling getting like super sweaty and feeling like I was going to combust I was so hot mm-hmm. and then being freezing mm-hmm. <laughs> or just like that like too much stimulation during a contraction mm-hmm. um I just I mean I remember rocking in there thinking like this is not how this is supposed to be going. Like I am not supposed to be in this much pain. This is not the labor I signed up for. Somebody do something about this. <laughs> but where's every, my, where's every, my Enya music? Yeah, every like suggestion that my knowledgeable midwife had, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I remember throwing up Mm-hmm. And you coming to the rescue with a little barf bag in there. Um, and just, you know, kind of getting into like a delirious state of like, this is just like pain after pain. And in my head being like, I really did think this was going to be different. And keeping thinking the baby's going to be here very soon, mm-hmm. waiting for my water to break or something. But I thought, I'm going to be standing in this bathroom and start pushing any minute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was a lot longer before that yeah. started happening. I remember Leah got there while I was standing in the bathroom mm-hmm. and you were kind of like, this is Leah. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm dying. Hello. <laughs> um, and I think around the time that she got there, you guys kind of talked and suggested that I try to move to the bed um, to try to get the baby to move. Mm-hmm. And I was really reluctant because it felt like moving was a really bad idea, just pain wise. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember you guys saying like, it might actually relieve some of your pain. It Like it might hurt at first a little bit more and then offer you some relief. And so I went to the bed and you guys kind of positioned me with some pillows to try to get him to move. And I do remember falling asleep for what felt like maybe like a split second. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the exaggerated left side lie. If, if babies are going to turn, that's one of the, a really good position to encourage them to move. But sometimes the first few can be even more intense, you know? And And I remember you saying that. Yeah. Yeah, So we're like, don't judge it for like three surges, you know, (laughs) like, yeah which was really hard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then it did offer some relief. And I just remember like in those moments being like, Oh, this is what it's supposed to be like, you know? Yeah. You notice that like, Oh, he did finally rotate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just, I had a couple contractions where the back pain was mild Mm -hmm. and I just, it, that's when I fell asleep and it was like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's how what I had envisioned the whole time is like you rest between contractions and talk and like be excited to have a baby mm-hmm. instead of just kind of standing there in agony. Yeah. 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 But, um, and then he turned back that little stinker. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> 
and you got into the tub after that yeah I think it was like pretty soon after that we had tried the ball and like me leaning against the bed sitting on the ball and as soon as I sat down on the ball I was like nope mm-hmm. just too much pain on my tailbone and oh yeah <laughs> you flashing back yeah I'm flashing back <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> You know, some of this I haven't even thought about until now. Yeah. Yeah. Reflecting. What was the tub like for you? Um, it, I wasn't, again, I was like reluctant to make a change just because being afraid of being in more pain, but it ended up being really good for me, even though I was still in a lot of pain and struggling through my surges, it was, um, the water was soothing. I was able to move my hips in a way that was a little bit relieving and just kind of move more freely. And I was on all fours, which was like nice to be off my feet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that I was in the tub for a long time. Yeah. What's your memory? What would you think? How long were you in the tub for? I mean, I think I was in the tub for like six hours, but it didn't feel like that long. I just, the way I gauged my time, I remember Leah saying something about needing coffee and Jared was like, I'll go make you coffee. And I said, no, just get Starbucks, just order Starbucks. And, and you guys kind of looking at each other and I'm like, what time is it? And it was (laughs) like 10 o'clock at night or something. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> not Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> but just, I, I had no idea how much time had already passed. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one note in here that you, you commented at one point when you were on your left side that, um, I feel like I'm possessed. <laughs> it, it felt so like, unlike anything I could have ever imagined. Like, I feel like no amount of preparation could have prepared me for how I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and what- I, think if I hadn't prepared, it would have been really, really bad, you know, but like, if I hadn't had any care or listened to any podcasts or read anything or done any classes or anything, then I would have been really in the dark with everything. But yeah, I- I prepared differently than so my notes say you were in the tub for eight hours wow wow (laughs) I must have become a shriveled up little prune in there (laughs) but again you were not getting out of that tub (laughs) no and I do remember at one point you and Leah saying why don't we try the shower or um you know, kind of transition. And I'm like, nope, not getting out of here now. Mm -hmm. And it was the water, like the contrast of the cool air with the fan blowing on my face with Mm -hmm. the warm water on my lower half was something was just working with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Your like comment earlier about, um, say no to all the suggestions or whatever. I'm like scanning through my notes and it's like client declines, blah, 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 client declines, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Like, you were like nope don't want that don't want yogurt don't nightmare patient but you knew what you did want you know and it, yeah yeah it's um I think you know my the way that I reacted to the sensations was pro- pretty much the antithesis of what I had imagined mm-hmm. um instead of my zen meditative 
quiet birth. It was a lot of yelling and a lot of cussing. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like begging for it to to pause. I just remember looking at Leah and looking at you and being like, I just need a break. I just need a break. Mm -hmm. And you guys were just like, you're doing it. You're doing it. Your baby's going to be here and you're doing it. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm asking for. I need a break. (laughs) Give me the magic stuff that makes this stop for a little while. It's called birth. You have to give birth and then it stops. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what it felt like to transition between laboring and starting to push? I do. And the thing that really marked it for me was the transition from not wanting to be touched to give me all the pressure. Yes. Yes. Um, and it like really stands out when I told my husband, I was like, get a washcloth. You are like holding my behind the rest of the time. Yes. Cause it really, it felt like the baby was going to break through my rear end. Yeah. A lot of women are really surprised. Like the baby didn't feel like they were coming through my vagina. It felt like it was, it was going to come out my butt. And even after I gave birth, he, my husband said, it felt like he was coming out your butt. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, uh-huh. I think he almost did. <laughs> but so I have Jared holding there and then you and Leah switching with putting pressure on my lower back and no amount of pressure was enough. I'm like harder, harder. Yeah. Like actually go through my spine, please. <laughs> totally. I mean, it was, and you guys were really good at it. And I just remember being like, oh my God, they must be exhausted, but you guys kept at it. And Tag it, team. It was weird though, because it was like I really went from like, do not touch me. Do need don't brush my hair to the side. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I'm willing to be touched with is the straw, put it in my mouth, I'll drink the electrolytes, and then back the heck off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but and then yeah, then it was like, do not stop pushing on my back. Yeah. If you if you don't stop, <laughs> if you stop touching me, like, it'll be the end. And I don't know, like, I don't know if that's like his head was turned or if it just, he was so much lower that the pressure finally was offering some relief, but I mean, it felt like it was like saving my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my memory too, was that you had felt a lot of pressure in your bottom for a really long time, like a few hours. And you were like, when is my body going to start pushing? And so I kind of said, you know, you can just keep doing what you're doing, or you could try to push and it'll either feel wrong and owie (laughs) pinchy, or it'll feel great. And like, okay, well this feels better. And now like, it feels like I can't not. And you tried and that was how you felt. You're like, Ooh, this feels right. So you didn't necessarily have that like fetal ejection reflex where you were like, I'm vomiting down. I can't stop. But um, I wanted that so badly. I just wanted it to shoot out. Sometimes it just, yeah, it doesn't happen. And like, who knows if we had waited longer, but I mean, I remember you being like, feel like the baby's right there about to fall out, but it's, it's been, you know, hours and hours. Um, and so finally you're like, okay, I'm going to try. Yeah. And that I think was surprising to me, even though you had kind of described it going in as like a lot of women feel relief when they push. I think in my head, it was like, no way. Like nobody's going to feel relief pushing something through the vagina. <laughs> out of here. But it did like, it was way less painful to 
push the baby out than it was 12 hours prior having contractions. Mm -hmm. And it also felt productive. Like it felt like for a really long time, I wasn't really doing anything except breathing and trying to, to survive through contractions. And then And then it started to be productive. And like, I feel like I'm like, that's a reflection of my personality. Like that's, I need to be doing stuff. And so for so long to not really be doing anything. And then all of a sudden be like, all right, you have a task. Let's bring this baby into the world and, and feel some progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your body's way of being like, okay, tag your turn. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, lots of pressure in your bottom, lots of counter pressure, which a lot of women like counter pressure. Um, and pressure on your back and and then yeah how how did it unfold for you what was it like I feel like I I don't did not feel like I was pushing for two hours I think that's how long Uh it for but um you know it beginning of pushing I was like I don't know how much is really happening but then I reached down and I could feel his head Mm -hmm. which was incredibly motivating because it went from being that baby kicking in my stomach to like, Oh my gosh, that's my kid. And I could feel that, um, that my, that he was still in the sack. And so it was, you know, just really smooth, almost felt like a water balloon. Mm -hmm. And I remember you asking like, how close is he? And me thinking, well, I keep sucking him back up. (laughs) (laughs) I just pushed really hard and then nothing, you know? Um, but then, you know, with each contraction, I was, I was feeling as I pushed and I could feel that he was moving. And eventually I, I popped the bag of waters with just my finger feeling the baby. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, I could feel that he had hair and that like, that is one moment that I will never forget. And I still like rub his head Mm -hmm. and close my eyes. And I'm like, yep, that's the same as that moment. Like I can just feel those little hairs. (laughs) And it's Um, so amazing to, to be the first one to touch your baby, you know? Well, I don't think that would have been possible in the hospital, right? I probably would have been on my back mm-hmm. in stirrups or something. And uh, yeah, it's, um, I, you know, when I tell my, my girlfriends about that, they're like, wait, you were feeling him as you were pushing him out. And I'm like, yeah, like it was, oh, cool. that was a really magical part of it. And the, the thing that motivated me to push through that ring of fire and, you know, and to be like, all right, you know, I'm just going for it. If I tear, I tear. If I, if this, whatever, if, if I have no butt anymore, so be it. <laughs> if I turn completely inside out, it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> Which it did feel like might happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how long I was pushing and he was crowning for exactly. But I remember you, me saying that he's crowning. Yeah, I have down at 1040, you said, you know, that you could feel the head. Um, Yeah, I have down basically, it was like maybe 10 seconds is just based on my notes. Um, Because I have down crown, head and body and cry all at the same time, but like, you know, seconds apart. Yeah. So that was a little intense. And I think, you know, part of it was that I, 
Kaiser kind of scared me so much into thinking like what could go wrong with a home birth. You could have shoulder dystocia or the baby, you know, could have, I wanted to know was the cord around the neck. And so when I remember him crowning and feeling like there's no way my tissues can stretch any more than they are right now, like this is not happening. Sorry, pick another route, buddy. <laughs> but, um, but then when his head came out, I remember thinking, okay, now you have to get the shoulders out because you don't want anything bad to happen. And so I remember, you know, from some of your birth stories that you told me about how to, how to make the opening the widest possible, right? Put one leg up and kneel on the other one. Mm -hmm. And so I did that like right away after his head was out and I pushed on a non-contraction to get him out. Cause I was just like, we're getting him out now it's mm -hmm. happening. And it worked <laughs> mm -hmm. like a kneeling lunge. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I remember something like you were saying the head was out and then you, the body must've come out, but we didn't know that. And I remember you saying, Jared grab him. And yes. I was like, don't grab the baby's head. Like I thought you were saying yes. heads out, just pull. <laughs> no, in the video you took, I had like, it took me like three months to be able to watch the video. <laughs> And I finally watched it and it is, I say, Jared, just grab him and pull him out. Yeah. And you were like, Jared, do not pull the baby out. And you were so <laughs> calm and wonderful. And I'm like, like, you know, in that moment, I couldn't talk very much. Like I could barely put together a sentence. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, nobody knew he was already in the what water. what you meant was like, grab them and pull them out of the water but yes. I thought you meant out of your body I was like and because you your husband like yanking his head like, he was, know. since I was on all fours like he kind of came up behind me instead of you know my intention had always been like to kind of pull him out in front of me yeah uh, myself but kind of the position it just didn't happen that way so he went and floated into the water yeah and then I I just said no, put him through my legs. Uh -huh. And then you see Jared kind of just crouch down and push the baby through. And I swoop him up, even though I promised myself I was going to like take a minute to look at him under the water uh <laughs> and give him this really graceful transition into the world. And I just, you see me like just swoop him up really quickly. <laughs> and Leah puts her hand over like to make sure I've got his head, like didn't touch him, but she's like, oh my gosh, like it's happening really quickly. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, he's there. Yeah. Yeah. So wild. Yeah. It, I mean, that part was so fast. Everything else took so long. And then that just happened so fast. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. big moment. Yeah. Um, and then what? He um, cried. He cried. And I just remember feeling, you know, that relief that mothers describe when they first hear their baby mm -hmm. and he was pink all, right away. And there was no cord around his neck and, you know, the things that I was so worried about, none of them happened. Yeah. And I remember looking at him and being like, oh my God, he's cute. <laughs> he's cute. I know uh, you were talking about the hospital and like all the things that they say could go wrong, but it's like, but what if it just goes right? Like they don't mention that, that it could just go right. And know? most of the time it does. Yes. Yeah. And it did, right? Yeah. And the baby's heart rate and my blood pressure, everything was so steady through the whole thing. Even when I was at my peak of, of pain and screaming and mm -hmm. everything was so steady and calm inside for him. Yeah. 
um, which I feel really lucky for, you know, looking back, it's like, like I said earlier, who knows what interventions I would have had. I know that they would have tried to put me on some sort of Pitocin drip to get things moving faster because hospitals don't like you in labor for that long. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, I don't know, some women can labor in the hospital without epidurals, but if all you have is a bed and they're coming in every 20 minutes going, you know, honey, you, you don't have to keep doing this. I can see you're in a lot of pain. You know, a lot of women are like, okay, just give it to me, you know? And honestly, with the level of pain that I was feeling and how unexpected it felt to me, I may have given into that. And yeah. that was totally not an option in my head going into it so I'm you know really glad that I didn't yeah because you don't know how one thing can change like if he was in a posterior position and you had gotten an epidural and then he was unable to turn you know if that prevented him from turning like maybe then yes he would have had a shoulder dystocia potentially because you couldn't move and he's in a funky position you know you just don't know how the little things we do can change the experience yeah yeah Yeah. I think you know looking back on it too the moment was so much more special because it you know you and Leah were in the room you guys were so like peripheral at that point for us and so the baby was born and on my chest and my husband's there and we're just like soaking in our little baby in this like adrenaline filled loving moment and you know it felt like it was us it was our little tiny family yeah yeah I think I was sitting on the bed just recording and yeah yeah, it's it's really important to me that that um like third stage where we're babies born and we're waiting for placenta um people talk about like the golden hour but that I feel like it's really protective of your bleeding and because if you're oxytocin level is really high that is what controls your bleeding um so that we don't have i mean that's what they do in the hospital is give you fake oxytocin you know because they've done all the things to diminish your natural oxytocin so now they have to replace it with artificial um but so i feel like it's my job to make sure that you're as undisturbed as possible um you know and only coming in if there's concerns or you need reassurance and then retreating you know back like being wallflowers uh, unless needed yeah 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 it was you know it's things kind of felt blurry and then until that moment right till he was out and then it's like now then I remember everything like in a super detailed way and I remember looking at you guys and saying I'm never doing this again (laughs) yes I remember having one baby which I'm gonna I'm gonna say I still feel that way (laughs) but um and I'm gonna say that before we left you were already wavering you I think you said to me so if somebody decided they wanted another baby and if they wanted to make sure they didn't have back labor what would a person like that do I was like is this for a friend you're asking a friend <laughs> but it was literally like you know before we left the birth you were saying that I was like huh 
That's a little baby high. Yeah. Your oxytocin levels were fine. <laughs> well, and that looking back at the pictures too, like I didn't, there was the water wasn't even pink tinged really. Mm-hmm. And which surprised me. Mm-hmm. And um, until I delivered the placenta, but still that, you know, it, it felt good to know that I didn't have a ton of bleeding and I didn't really worry about anything because it just seemed fine. Yeah. After he came out, everything just seemed fine, except the fact that there was a placenta. Right. Yeah. So do you remember birthing the placenta? I do. It took a really, it felt like it took a really long time. And I, I was really angry about having contractions still. Uh (laughs) I was like, this is a terrible plan, mother nature. Yeah. My notes say, um, a little over an hour, like hour 20. Yeah. Which again, it's like, I'm glad that I did it at home with that because I don't think I would have been able to just do it in my own time at the hospital like that. But I remember you, you know, telling me like trace the cord and see if it's still, if the placenta is attached or if it's just sitting there ready to come out. Mm-hmm. And, and then you helped me to trace that. Cause I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, it was so funny but- though. Cause I remember, um, you know, you were like, I'm not sure. And I offered to do it and you're like, am I going to mess up your streak? I was like, my streak? What do you mean? You're like about not doing vaginal exams. I was like, oh my God, I'm so appreciative that you're concerned about my statistics. <laughs> I was like, but I, I usually always am like checking moms for tears and things like that. But um, yeah, because <laughs> I've always told people that I rarely ever do vaginal exams, yeah. meaning more like prenatally and in labor. Yeah. But it was so funny when you said that. <laughs> I didn't want to break your your successful streak there. Um, Yeah. But then I, I mean, I definitely helped it out, like pulled with on the cord. I remember my amniotic sac came out or pulled off before and kind of handed it out to you. Uh Um, And then I, you know, I just remember you being like, you gotta push it. It's the only way it's going to come out kind of thing. Like you can give it a tug, but it's, you know, wait for a contraction. It'll make it a little easier for it to come out. And, Uh and it, I just, I wasn't really willing to do that. And then finally it was like, okay, let's get this thing out Mm -hmm. and kind of gave it a little pull and on a contraction, a gentle push. And I was like, okay, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. It's the anticipation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, went from there to to bed. And I remember Leah asking, do you want to see the placenta and like, you know, have, have me do the exam bedside with the placenta? And I was like, no, I don't want to see that. And now I'm like, damn it, I should have. <laughs> um, but I do remember I talked you into letting me shower uh-huh. and it was, you were like, well, you know, it's, it's you, your own decision. You're like, but I'm going to discourage it because you might be a little bit wobbly. And I was like, no, I'm rinsing off. <laughs> and I literally did. Did you, did you feel fine? Yeah, it was a short one. Cause sometimes, especially if the water's like too warm, it can make you feel really queasy and lightheaded. Yeah. And, and I tend to get that way anyway. So it was probably good advice, but I was just <laughs> like, I need to, I've been in the bath, this like bath water for so long. There's all kinds of fluid in there. Uh-huh. Rinse, the quick rinse. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because I got into bed and I felt a little bit fresher. Um, but then, yeah, getting into bed with my baby and my husband and um, everything just felt so calm afterwards and, you know, kind of slow-mo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Are there any other pieces of the immediate postpartum that stand out to you or? Um, you know, the opportunity for Jared to have the baby on his chest, skin to skin, while I delivered the placenta, because I kind of felt like I couldn't hold the baby and do it at the same time, because mm -hmm. um, I was still, the contractions were still a little bit painful. Mm -hmm. And that moment has been something that's really special for Jared to think about, mm -hmm. that he got to have that first time. And I, sometimes I go back in my head and I'm like, was I, was I supposed to do that? Maybe I shouldn't have let him hold him that early, but I'm like, it was so special for him. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think, um, I hear this a lot from people, like they're worried they messed up their golden hour by either not being too focused on the baby or things like that. But it's like, you can't mess up on it if you're the one in control. The messing up comes from other people stepping in and doing things that you wouldn't have naturally done. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. the idea of you like looking over at your husband and your baby, like I could imagine it just sending your oxytocin through the roof, you know, not having this like jealous side of, oh, I wish I was holding the baby, you know, it would, yeah. it would only give you like more love in your body. Okay. Yeah. It was a really special thing. And, and I mean, just being so thankful to be able to get into my own bed in my own pajamas. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. I'm yeah. Just really glad that that happened that way. Sweet. Yeah. So what about, um, the postpartum? How, how was postpartum for you? How was breastfeeding? Were there any hiccups along the road? What was, what was that like? Breastfeeding was a little bit more challenging than I had anticipated. It was another thing that I'd researched a lot and just been around a lot of women who had breastfed babies. And I thought it would come really easily for me. And it, it just wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And it wasn't, you know, I never had a moment where I thought I was going to stop doing it or anything, but I definitely had moments that were like, how do you keep doing this when your back hurts so much from sitting in this position, holding your arms in a way that you haven't done before. And when your baby's not latching the way he's supposed to, and your nipples hurt so bad. And, and then it kind of just only lasted a few days and then kind of got into a rhythm with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, my milk came in on day three, pretty much like clockwork, but the first two days, I remember you saying it's okay if baby doesn't eat a lot. Um, but still feeling that like, Oh, is he okay? Is he, is he doing what he's supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. But he was, you know, he, and he's a big boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah Cause babies are born with brown fat on like their shoulders, their backs, their neck. Um, and it sustains them for a couple of days until the milk comes in. And yeah. Um, yeah, so you don't have to be too worried. Obviously you want them to be like participating and encouraging yeah. your milk in, but. Yeah, um, I tried using a nipple shield one time and it worked, but then I kind of just felt like, no, this isn't right. Like I, he needs to just be learning. I need to learn and he needs to learn how to do this without any aid or anything. Um, and, and I think there can be a misconception that because it's natural, it should be easy, but I don't think that that necessarily has to go hand in hand, you know, and, and we're supposed to be in our villages where we witness everyone give birth and everyone breastfeed and yeah. everyone had their tips and tricks. And, and I think that's where the midwives and the doulas come in, you know, to, to create that village, because for most women, it's, it's their birth is the first time they experience any of that. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, not everyone is lucky enough to have gone to a birth or to witness other women breastfeed. Um, and I think there's like value in having those experiences. Definitely. And, and I think, you know, if you came over the next day and the next day, yeah, usually I do like the next day and then two days later and then two days. Yeah. Well, and I just remember being like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And you being like, well, let me see. And you're like, yeah, you're doing it right. Um, just new. And yeah. I've also heard it compared to um, like partner dancing, you know, like even if one, like say, for example, you are on your third child and now all of a sudden it's like hard and you're like but I know what I'm doing but it's a new dance partner they've never done this dance before and you've never danced together so it's you might step on a few toes before you like get the rhythm and yeah well, I just remember being a little bit paranoid like thinking oh he's not latching properly not latching deep enough so he must have you know a tongue tie or a lip tie and um having somebody take a look at that and then being like, yeah, I think he actually has both. Mm -hmm. And then I had a friend who's a lactation consultant come over mm -hmm. and she checked him and she's like, yeah, he has a little tiny bit of that going on. She said, but I would never recommend getting that taken care of. And she gave the example of her own son that had had the same thing. And she said, and he was just fine. She was like, it's, you would, it would be much more severe than this if you needed to go have him lasered or clipped with mm -hmm. that. And which was a relief for me because you have a newborn. The last thing you want to do is go do something that's going to hurt them, you know? Yeah. yeah completely. Um, but at the same time thinking like my baby needs to eat. And so if something's going wrong, I'll do anything to help fix it. You know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So eventually breastfeeding became um, smoother yeah and then yeah anything else like how did your body heal and uh so I did have a small tear mm -hmm. and I chose not to have it stitched and I remember you telling me okay you have to pretend you're a mermaid for the next however uh, many weeks and I was like oh yeah no problem man that was hard like to remember to like not like sit cross-legged or to not like bend your knees up and well nursing the baby and I think about it now that it's like that was hard to start nursing and not be able to use your legs to assist you uh-huh yeah um but I'm glad I did because it healed just fine mm -hmm. um some uh, I think you know I definitely felt some bruising inside um with my back and my bottom Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was a harder thing to, to heal from than, um, any vaginal stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I was surprised at how little vaginal pain I felt mm -hmm. and like how little the tear bothered me pain wise. Um, think about it. They're only really down there for a short time. Yeah. <laughs> All the rest of the sensation was in your back and your pelvis. Yeah. And so it like the contractions that happened in the few days after birth, definitely, I was still feeling them in my lower back. Mm -hmm. The after pains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was like day three after he was born or maybe even close to a week after. And I remember texting you being like, I am still having really bad, really low, like really low back pain. And you being like, if you have to, you can take ibuprofen. And I was like, 
oh. <laughs> and I took it that night and I slept for the first time since I'd given birth. Oh my and gosh. It was like, I was like, Sophia's magic. <laughs> <laughs> but if she had told me sooner. <laughs> well, and it's probably something like, you know, I just, I'm so like, I only take medication. Well, and most first time moms don't actually experience after pain. They don't really like, maybe they'll feel a little crampy or something, but it's usually not until like the next few babies where they're like, Ooh, yeah, this is. Well, and it wasn't even like, I did not feel like it was my uterus at all mm-hmm. when I would have the after pains, but, um, yeah, I mean, even just, I think I took ibuprofen for two or three nights mm-hmm. and then that was enough to like, kind of get, so maybe it was just like pain in your back, not necessarily yeah. uterine. Yeah. 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 Um, but I'm really glad I did. And I was paranoid about it coming through my breast milk or something, but I needed a little bit of relief and I got it. Good. So, yeah. yeah. I know you had quite a journey with um, food sensitivities. Do you want to touch base on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, we didn't, I didn't really notice it until baby was almost a month old and we had just had family come from out of town. They stayed for a week and I thought he was kind of getting cranky in the evenings because of overstimulation, people were watching TV or just talking loudly. And, and it started to be more of a pattern where he was having that witching hour and he started to spit up and he hadn't been. And so just talking to you about it, you had suggested cutting dairy. And so I started just by cutting dairy and started eating a lot of soy and dairy alternative products. And he started having even more issues. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Sophia, help. And, and you said, well, try cutting soy and wheat. And when I did that, it's like, it stopped. And it took a few days, but just a few days, even with the dairy in just a few days, it made such a difference. But um, I'm so glad we caught it early because I've had so many friends who it's taken, you know, five or six months to realize that they shouldn't be eating dairy while nursing, Mm -hmm. but you know, it was a huge change and really hard postpartum trying to find convenient foods that are not, don't contain dairy, wheat, or soy and realizing reading labels that almost everything has that in it unless you're getting a whole food I was Um, really surprised by the soy thing because I also was dairy soy and gluten-free with my daughter and I remember when I was going to cut soy out I'm like oh that'll be easy I like rarely ever eat tofu everything everything it was it was in like my garlic powder I think it was like soybean oil I was like what oh yeah the other night I was going to make some soup in my vegetable um what is that better than bouillon stuff that comes in like a little um, jar and I was going to scoop it out and thank goodness I turned it around and I was reading the label just to see how where garlic was on the list because the baby can be a little sensitive to garlic and I was like soy like what are you doing in there (laughs) um which it's it's been really hard harder than I thought but it's mostly because anything convenient has those things in it one of those yeah at least yeah Yeah. and things you wouldn't expect so I don't buy anything from the store that's not either a whole food or doesn't show the label because we've done only online grocery shopping since the pandemic started and 
lots of label reading and lots of calling restaurants and asking about every ingredient. And they get really annoyed when you are like, what type of mayonnaise do you use in your aioli? Mm -hmm. I have a good link that somebody just sent me. I will include it um, in the food, uh, sorry, in the show notes. Um, It's a, a food sensitivity restaurant link. Oh, nice. And we did, you know, I found a few places that were willing to accommodate that. Um, One of our favorite places is Sea Noodle Bar, and they will pretty much make your order any way you want it. And so I ordered online and put in the notes, no dairy, soy, or wheat, and um, no added garlic or onions. And they make the dishes without those things for me, which has been really nice. But um, but yeah, that it definitely is a challenge, but really worth it. When I think about it, it's like, this is a season, right? I'm not going to be breastfeeding forever. And that's not a huge change. And it's actually a way healthier way of eating mm-hmm. because those things are highly processed and I've felt healthier not eating them mm-hmm. and just knowing what's going in my baby's body as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was in such good shape while I was nursing Gracie because I was dairy, soy and gluten free for two and a half years while I nursed her. And then as soon as I weaned her, I was like, oh, because she still couldn't have it. And I was like, well, we'll just keep it out of the house. But like occasionally when I go out to a restaurant, it'll be nice to like have something. Well, let me tell you, I guess I go out to eat a lot because I've gained all that weight back. (laughs) So if I could have like, you know, in hindsight, stopped it all completely and stayed that way, that would have been smarter. I think about it like, you know, because I fantasize about what I'm going to eat after the last time I nurse him. And then it makes me really sad. But I think about cheese and then I'm like, wait, but it's healthier not to eat these things. And it was so much easier for me to decide not to do it because it was affecting her than when it's like my health. It's so silly that we can't like, that I couldn't make that choice for myself. It had to be for my baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, touch base. um, I wanted to hear about your donor experience um, because you are a milk donor. Yeah. So I definitely had a surplus of milk from the beginning. Um, I actually started collecting colostrum in little syringes like a week or two before he was born and still have some of that. But um, I started having a lot extra and it was leaking a lot when he was eating. And so I put the haka on the other side while I fed him and was getting like five or six ounces out of the other side when I would nurse. And, and I needed to do it or else I would be so engorged. And I know, you know, now that it's like, if I would have tapered it off, it would have been fine. But, um, you actually hooked me up with a, a family that was in need of donations for their little guy. And we started donating milk and haven't stopped we've now fed five babies so great yeah and have a regular um baby that we donate to they come pick up milk every week you know sometimes i think maybe nursing would have been a little bit more calm if i hadn't done that Mm -hmm. but then i think about like having helped these babies and these mothers who just want to feed their babies what they need you know it was like you fed twins basically yeah. <laughs> which I think also helps with the postpartum weight loss 
right? <laughs> Your body's burning twice the amount of calories. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, it's so it's so great as a mom who received donor milk for two years for my son hundreds of moms you know I was just trying to get breast milk from wherever I could and it was such a blessing to know that he was being taken care of it's you know now I'd kind of describe it when people are like why are you still doing that and I'm like well you know I'm somebody who I'm a teacher my job's fulfilling because I'm helping kids and you know, it's fulfilling to have my baby, but I'm getting that extra fulfillment. And it just feels so good to be able to know that a mother who's desperate to feed her baby is using your milk to nourish their child. And yeah, it's, it's been a pretty special experience in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is pretty amazing. I know I always told myself that I was going to be a donor and then I ended up needing a donor. So, um, the last thing I wanted to touch base on is um, the diaper closet. Uh, and, um, I know that, was it your mother or yeah. had just like researched how many diapers you need to like get you through the first year or something and yes. just like filled you your them all. So we are now in size four diapers, uh-huh. but um, I don't think if I open it, you're gonna be able to see them because they're kind of like tucked up now. But um I think we had this entire full-size closet in this room was full to the brim with diapers, case upon case of diapers from size one to size three. Yeah. And it's, um, we- Has it been pretty accurate, her her guesstimation on how many you would need? Have you had to buy any or did you have surpluses? The only thing that we've purchased with diapers, we bought wipes, but then also nighttime diapers. Mm. Around five months, he started to to sleep longer at night and was peeing through. Mm -hmm. And so we got some nighttime diapers, but um, they've been really great, bamboo diapers. And- the the thing that we got wrong was that he would be a s- smaller baby he was <laughs> a little bit bigger than we thought and so we we went through the size ones we, he grew out of them pretty quickly and then he grew out of the size twos really quickly he was in threes for a while but we've had a little extra of them all and we're on to fours and I think he'll be in fours for a while mm-hmm. but um yeah I thought that was such a great gift to give someone it was I mean it's been really nice we like going to the store for diapers we go to the closet in our front room and grab another piece of diapers out (laughs) so great and just like thinking about you know parents talking about how much money they spend on diapers and I'm like I probably spent $40 on diapers Mm -hmm. so such a gift yeah Uh, well thank you for joining me tonight is there any any wisdom you want to share with anybody who's listening anything you wish you had done or hadn't done if you could change anything or any advice you have um I think you know that going going into labor you can prepare and you should prepare as much as you possibly can, but kind of dropping expectations and being willing to kind of go with the flow, which is hard for me to do. Um, But wishing that I had gone in with a little bit more of that mindset and 
but ultimately being really glad that I made the choice that I did to do it at home. And there were so many things that were not what I expected, but my goal was to have a healthy baby and to be able to labor in the water and to be able to get into my bed afterwards. And those are the exact things that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, just having you as a midwife in particular, it just felt so calm and it, I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, obviously home birth isn't for everyone, but it should be. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) if if people really knew what it could be like, Mm -hmm. then they would choose that Mm -hmm. unless medically it was medically necessary to be at the hospital. But I just think that it's, you know, without any judgment, it, it's the right way to have a baby, you know, it's what your body it really is the simplest. Yeah. 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 It really is the simplest, you know? Well, and that if we, if we want to see intervent unnecessary interventions go away, then the place to do that is in your home or at a birth center or somewhere where mm-hmm. people aren't going to push you into doing something during your birth that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, some people even say the first intervention is getting in your car you know, like leaving your safe space, you know, um, but yes, everyone has to give birth where they feel safest. And, but just like focusing on where you feel safest, but good versus like safe out of fear, you know, that somebody's scaring you into only feeling safe with them. Absolutely. Because that's not real safety. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you again. It was so good to see you. you. Yeah. Have a good night. Thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray, R-E-A, Sophia at sophiabirth.com and me, Leah, at Bay Area Home Birth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, stay stay wild. wild.